0: hello and welcome to Kai digital era entertainment's weekly anime podcast this is episode number 123123 i'm your host joel and broadcasting live from new jersey it's jace uh once again new england no massachusetts it's massachusetts (laughs) sorry rj who's with me on thursday is in new jersey I have many co-hosts on this channel. Thank you very much. At least I got somebody's vocation right. But at least I also remembered it as soon as it came out of my mouth. You're in Massachusetts. Broadcasting live from Massachusetts. Will we uh, fix this in post? I don't know. Probably not. It makes a funny bit anyways. It's Jace. Jiminy Jillickers. <laughs> Jiminy Jillickers indeed. Also, sadly, Jace, we're getting a bit of fuzz on your end again.
1: Oh, that might be uh, that might be the AC on in the background because it is really hot in the studio Uh,
0: it is indeed very hot in many places it's even worse in california like at least in texas it's not that bad but anyways you know what else is hot anime we're in the dog days of summer we're nearing the end of the season actually and we are coming off of a off week for us because i made a last second trip to san japan last weekend uh i had initially been slated to do a small mc gig here in the dallas area but that got rescheduled and i'd forgotten that San japan was last weekend so on the monday of last week when i was reminded of it i reached out to a friend and collaborator on the channel kaylee and we wound up having great old time and i got to see some friends that i haven't seen since 2019 in person so that was very nice and Yes, indeed, here we are. We're uh, back from San Japan. It was, you know, a fine medium convention that San Japan, for those of you who aren't aware, is in San Antonio, hence the San. And it's about, uh, I would spitball it from what I saw of the badge sales on their website, probably thirteen to 14,000 folks. So, you know, not a small con, but also not super large. And it was nice just to have a weekend, to hang with friends, and just chill out that uh, we really just walked the exhibit hall, didn't really go to panels, uh, had to, some good meals together. And it is what I believe will be the only anime convention this year that I go to that I don't work. So that was nice, too.
1: That's sweet. I mean, uh, I had a uh, little small community convention. I, uh, I helped uh, staff um, a couple weeks ago when I wasn't on the show. Uh, uh, or or was I? Oh. No, no, I had. No, I did the show because after that, I had to shoot out there for the staff meeting because <laughs> it was only a two day convention. But yeah, Pop Cult Anime Con uh, where we had uh, uh Courtney on uh, a month or two ago. Uh, one of the other uh, staffers there. Um, nice little chill convention, little community thing, two days. Um, they're already talking themes for next year, which I think is going to be uh good versus evil. I guess like a team good versus team Fun. Evil. this year. This year was uh, was uh, old school. It was retro. So, uh, so a lot of stuff from the '90s. Uh, you know, some stuff from the '80s. A lot of cool little things. A lot of a lot of relevant newer things mixed in there. A lot of some really fascinating, really like cool takes on stuff. Some great meme costumes. Uh, I'd have to say one of my favorite ones was uh, Buff Paimon from uh, Genshin. Oh my Impact. goodness!
0: I saw yeah. a good number of Genshin Impact cosplays. I don't think I saw a buff Paimon. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, no. This this guy, he had like this muscle suit in this like skin-tight Paimon costume over the muscle suit. <laughs> like, oh my god. He he was in the death match and it was just hilarious cuz he was just like <laughs> on stage. So, uh, it was it was definitely the death match was really funny. Um it ended with um Anya from Spy Family versus Solomon Muto from Yu-Gi-Oh!.
0: Oh Solomon <laughs> Moto, yes.
1: Yeah, Moto. I, I thought it was Muto. god, it's been ages since I've watched it. But yeah, um it, it was it was hilarious to see that because like the the girl who did Anya literally had something planned for each round, which is amazing because deathmatch is one of those things where you don't, you don't know, know who you're going up will against. Be. Yeah, and, uh, hell, let alone the first pairing, which was your versus Anya, which oh was hilarious. <laughs> which yes, was hilarious.
0: Very fun, very fun. Well, anyways, I'm actually mostly caught up on all my shows. I think I have four single episodes to catch up on of things that have all dropped within the past three days. So I'm essentially caught up on everything that, you know, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday releases. Uh, so just a few to catch up on. But uh, we are now really in the last leg of the season that we, with a exception that you will take note of, haven't had any finales yet, but are really just starting to ramp up to it. That most of these shows are now at episode 10. So uh, most being of 12 or 13, meaning that we're really starting to see the end game here. And I'm just going to go down my list pretty quickly. Engage Kiss has gone off the rails, but in a good way. Oh my God. I'm... I'm kind of nervous, but also very excited because it's the type of thing that this is going to be one that lives or dies by its finale. And it's trying to do some, you know, fancy little backflips here. And it's just, will it stick this landing or will it fall flat on its face? I don't know, but I'm here for the ride until then. So stay tuned and we'll see how it goes.
1: It has some great stuff going for it. I mean, like, I I didn't expect it to take a turn to eternal sunshine of the spotless mind and then as they've ramped up towards the finale i've come to the conclusion that there is a beautiful allegory going on for uh ptsd induced amnesia you know and it's like and that's all i'm gonna say
0: i (laughs) hadn't thought of it from that particular angle but it's entirely possible but you know now they're i don't want to get into spoilers but introducing some very interesting factors later on yeah maybe that Like I said, this is going to be one that either a couple weeks from now, we're going to be saying, oh my gosh, you should watch this show. It was so fun, so cool, or just, eh, it squandered its ending. And we'll see that this feels like a Trigger show. This is the most Trigger-esque show that isn't released by Trigger that I've seen in a while. (laughs) Yeah, I
1: mean, uh, it's wild. There's a few shows that are following that uh, live or die by the finale because, uh, Leaguerous Recoil also is really like throwing it into high gear (sighs) for the finale. I'm more optimistic about
0: uh, Recoil, though, that I I just have a greater amount of faith from the writing that we've had so far that even if I don't know exactly how this is going to end, I'm much more confident that it's going to end in a way that I think will be satisfying, whereas Engage Kiss feels like it's much more in the air.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's and it's funny because it's just uh, with a lot of these reaching that uh, 10th episode, 11th episode kind of uh, buffer zone. You, they're either ramping up for a finale or trying to soft set it up for a uh,
0: what'll be a next season.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, Carry over. But it's and, not quite uh, clear
0: which ones are doing that. And that's yeah. one of the things of trying to watch. Things as they set themselves up in their finales in these last three to four episodes because not everything is guaranteed for a second season and especially if it is a original property as both engage kiss and uh, Lycoris recoil are that we really don't know what's going on here
1: meanwhile a lot of those lately because we thought uh last season that uh uh birdie wing might not have gotten a second half Mm -hmm. and sure enough january praise the anime gods we're getting more uh, you know girls golf but uh another original uh out this season too uh call of the night as well which has well been... it has
0: material that the difference between Dust? call of the night oh yeah call of the night's a manga it's been published by biz oh. media for a while now
1: oh geez i, I could have sworn uh it's, uh oh wait no i'm thinking of Bakamatsu bad boys that's the one there that's, you go uh, it's an original yeah there's uh, so much Call animated absolutely
0: <laughs> has more to go and i am yeah. praying that it gets the green light because Me good too. lord is it just i feel like the last couple episodes have gotten better that yeah. the, it it's not quite the absolute low vibe slow simmer that we had in the first couple episodes that it's cranked up a little bit it's not you know big world building wild crazy stuff but i am enjoying this world building in that a uh, I would have worried if they tried to keep it as small as they did in the first half of the season that it would have gotten boring because I know for a lot of folks it did that it was just it's such a a chill slow show that yeah. if it kept that way it might have actually overstayed its welcome there but I think they ratcheted things up at just the right point that now I'm really really engaged.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that I stuck with it the whole time. I mean, uh, I'm definitely going to be hopping on CD Japan. Uh, I think this month, the soundtrack, it's a two-disc soundtrack for this show, is dropping. I'm definitely going to be importing that because the music is such a vibe. The opening
0: ending easily, like, we don't do a top 10 openings and endings of the year here on Digital Era Entertainment, but if we did, uh, Call of the Night's opening and ending would both be on those lists somewhere. It's really good.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, if if you're a fan of, like, hip-hop, uh, you know, lo-fi, like, there is definitely a vibe going on. Um, I mean, hell, I find myself trying to sing along oh. to that opening, even though I am horrible at uh, speed Japanese like that. <laughs> but that that, that opening is just so catchy. Um, Meanwhile, also, we have some ones uh, that
0: are continuing along that um, Devil's Apart Timer Season 2 has been so very different from Season 1 that we've barely spent any time in the fast food joint, that this has been a season full of world building and just going mm-hmm. to different locales that aren't McDonald's, And <laughs> in a way that's been nice, But in a way, it's also been like, you know, I kind of wanted to go back to McDonald's, but I also understand that for a show like that, you can only stay in your initial locale for so long before you run out of gimmicks and gags. And there's plenty to do with fast food service, but we already did it for 12 episodes, so I'm not begrudging them for moving along, but it's the type of thing that this feels more like a reverse isekai demon lord hero type thing, which is still cool. That we're still getting good stuff going on but i do hope that either in the finale of the season or that in the hopeful season three because i think it's still done very well for itself that we'll start to get a little bit back to the actual yeah. you know a uh, fast food stuff but to their credit the whole time it has been faithful to its namesake of the devil is a part-timer that it never said the devil works at mcdonald's or the devil works in fast food service that The hook of the season is that the uh, McRonalds is under renovation, so he hasn't been fired or anything, but he can't work there, so he has to find other things, so he's worked at a beach, and now he's currently working on a farm, and it is sort of the realization of, oh, okay, while we all sort of mentally associated it with McRonalds, the title never promised us that in perpetuity, and so... In technicality, it's still living up to its namesake. It's still delivering on what was promised. It never promised us only McDonald's. It never promised us yeah. only fast food. And it is still very fun and engaging, but it is indeed very different from season one. So uh, if you're uh, gonna going to be going to at least have that life, expectation.
1: Turning into a bit of uh, the simple life oh it's not uh, simple it's it's not simple (laughs) oh no it is very complex
0: things are going haywire between uh, heaven uh the demon realm and earth things are not simple that they are absolutely keeping Uh, all the crazy zaniness if anything they're leaning more into it because now that they have the full cast of demons and angels assembled that they play off each other much more openly than they did in season one where they were sort of uh, at a distance so there is that Meanwhile, over at Couple of Cuckoos, the show is slated to have 24 episodes. They've aired 19. And I forget, based on the source material, if there's more here or not. And I'm not sure how this one went, but it's been a nice ride. It's continued along, and, you know, it's that sort of will-they-won't-they harem type of thingy. But at the same time, the characters have been just compelling enough to keep me tuning in week to week. Not top 10 material, but if you can do worse in this genre. If this genre is to your taste, this is absolutely one worth watching. I'm not going to say, ooh, everyone should watch this. This is one of the shows of the year, but what you see is what you get, and it does what it does pretty well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I backburnered it for the most part uh, because I was uh, trying to prep myself for uh, the fall as there are some returning shows that had a massive backlog my hero uh for me to catch up on um and uh, i still can't believe i managed to get through over 110 episodes in a relatively short period of time yeah i caught up with it yeah Um, thank thank you dubs for being able to help me like passively watch to catch up with things um and of course uh along with other things that have uh have a bingeable type thing and I'm not a binge person, but Netflix just dropped the second half of Stone Ocean. I need to finish watching that. Because, uh, I mean, it's always great when there's more JoJo. So uh, You know what else will be gotta... dropping
0: in a couple of days on Netflix? Uh, it's going to be eh, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, the anime, where it was just announced this week. Good friend Emmy Lowe is the female lead of the show. So, super hyped about that. Definitely going to want to catch the dub. That comes out on the 13th. That's next Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, I believe, on Netflix. So, definitely want to check that out. I'm really excited. Giancarlo Esposito is one of the villains. So, I'm already in. Zach Aguilar is the male lead. We're going to have a good time. This is very much a uh, rated R1, though. They even had an NSFW trailer. But... It looks really good, and I say this as someone who has no knowledge of cyberpunk. I've never played a cyberpunk game, but just it's that you know future tech dystopia type of thing think uh fifth element or um why am I playing on some of the others uh do do poof went right out uh, of my head.
1: I was gonna say like it's clearly cyberpunk dystopian um uh. I mean, to throw out like names out there, like uh, if, if you like Blade Runner, Ghost of the Shell. Blade Runner, channel. thank you.
0: That was the name I was looking for and I was just completely blanking on. Yeah. But yes, uh, definitely want to check that out. That starts on Netflix on the 13th. Um, oh, baby, or Yakuza Babysitter, still great. Yeah. Still holding yeah. up its end of the bargain. Uh, we had a instance, we're you know reaching the end game where our wonderful protagonist is getting dragged back into yakuza type things and it's going to be that oh will he won't he is he going to end up being you know super violent and obviously he's not that's just yeah we we know how the story goes but it's still being presented in a good enough fashion with compelling enough moments that even though i know exactly how this one is going to end i'm still having a good time
1: i'm loving it um it is continuing to be a you know the despite that little bit of a dark turn there you know this this you know will he turn back to being violent yakuza type which i mean like after what happened there you know like that moment i was i was with him on that i was just like oh no you didn't like but uh basically um the wholesomeness and cuteness of seeing the families and stuff like that I am very much like, you know, phobic of ever having a family like this is a personal thing for me. But like, you know, I I don't see myself as the kind of person to have kids. I see myself as more the fun uncle to my friends. Yeah, that's me. That's me, my man. And but but at the same time, I can't help but feel like this is, you know, Love them or hate them, former Prime Minister Abe's. Yeah. Go out and have kids. <laughs> the, I feel like this is part of this this is part of that conspiracy. Propaganda
0: family. That you know, yeah. Hey, if this is the form that our go out and have family propaganda takes, eh, could be worse.
1: I'm okay with it. You know, it's it's not in your face. <laughs> it's wholesome. It's cute. I like wholesome and cute. You know, I'm not afraid to say that. I'm I'm secure enough in my masculinity to say that.
0: <laughs> absolutely. <laughs>
1: I mean, hell, Uh, I'm watching Tokyo Mew Mew New, and I'm still loving the hell out of it. I'm hoping there's more.
0: Meanwhile, Maiden Abyss is still heart-wrenching. Overlord is still badass as hell. Ruby Ice Queendom is doing some really weird stuff. And I had a realization that there is a possibility for them to address a long-standing question in this show. I don't think they'll do it, but I realize there's a possibility for them to do something that has been just a hanging plot thread literally since season two. And I'm hoping, praying that we will get that resolution. I don't think we will, but oh my gosh, would it be cool if we didn't? Even if not, they've been just having a grand old time. And uh, I like what they have done with this and what they've done with the Ruby universe here. And I'm okay with it being woven into canon that so far they've held up there under the bargain that nothing has conflicted yet. Everything still matches. So, sure. Uh, and then the last one that I really have to mention God damn, Shadow's House would be anime of the year contender if this was, if it had started airing this year. But then again, we yes. can't count that one either because Emmy's the lead. She's Kate. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, never mind. But, anyways, good Lord, if you weren't, I am begging you folks that. There have been ones that we've had on this list as we've been going through these past weeks saying, you know, it's a good genre show. It's not going to make a top 10 list. Check it out if this is your fair. I will actively direct people to Shadow's House at this point. I am so in on this. It is just, it is a top tier thriller, mystery, just it's not quite political intrigue. It's not quite mind games. It's not totally action but it's just it's a good old-fashioned thriller mystery and uh, at the same time it's just got all that you could ever ask for in character development the art score, just the sound design is on point this thing has the whole package go watch shadow's house
1: uh and uh i think to wrap things up um the first anime as far as i know um to wrap things up this season was uh phantom of the idol as it was only 10 episodes and it tied it up in a neat little uh, bow it is a so fun little how plot. did it
0: i i can't remember the last time i heard of an anime being 10 episodes was this something that had source material and the source material just ended or was it this Did
1: and i'm not sure if it was just the source material ended or if they just took it to a reasonable conclusion like kind of abridged it um does it feel as, like there could uh, be a season
0: two or is our story over
1: i mean i feel like um i i feel like it could probably um how many it ran for actually it's ongoing it's up to uh five volumes um and it's in a monthly comic but i i feel like it's kind of just reached this logical conclusion um they they could keep going with it um but I feel like at this point, we saw Yuya become more idol-like. You know, we saw Asahi lead him to it, and she's kind of sort of reached a, her her at-peaceness. Um, the final episode was a little bit of an odd one. It was more of a, hey, here's a concert-type moment. Uh, more, More like we needed to finish spending the rest of our budget For the dance animations that were in 3D and everything and promoting the original music by the Idol unit Zings, which was just the two voice actors. So it felt like a little bit of a throwaway in that final episode, Um, but it feels like the plot uh, threads that needed to be resolved got resolved. So, I mean... If it proves to be popular, maybe they made some money off of it, you know, through the the music and whatnot. Maybe it will go for a season two. I feel that it's good enough on its own with just the 10 episodes. And
0: the way that you're talking about it, that this isn't a show that you have brought up every single week during our recaps, which tells me that it's very mid.
1: It's something where I let it go a couple episodes, then watch them in a row, then let it go a couple episodes, then watch them in a row. And I've kind of been doing that for a lot of the shows and kind of staggering them because there's so many bloody anime shows this season. Um, And like this, this was just the one to finish first out of everything that was kind of coming in waves for me. And yeah, I mean, it's it's an enjoyable anime. Marissa dropped it. I decided to keep it. I really enjoyed it. But it it kind of gave me a more wholesome PG version of uh, Detroit Metal City type vibe, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where you had the guy in Detroit Metal City, the guy who wants to do wholesome love songs, stuck in this heavy metal band and having to portray this brutal <laughs> death metal. And then you have in this one the guy who's in an idol duo who really doesn't care about being an idol. And he gets possessed by an idol girl who died, and you know, so has to deal with this back and forth of maintaining the cool, nah, whatever. I don't really care about it. And then the, I'm pandering to the fans because I enjoy being an idol when she does it, and then him having to try to find some middle ground between them. I feel like they found that middle ground, and they might not be able to explore it or create more comedy out of it. I could be wrong. I mean, mm. this is an ongoing manga but I feel like it reached a conclusion. Um, Last one of note, Yurei Deco really ramping it up in these last few episodes. Again, I did not expect it to take the turn to this in the story now. Like, oh my God, what a freaking, like, makes you think it's this kind of dystopian, uh, like, Uh, this is the one
0: where I think I might have to pick it up and just binge it after the season in that down between things.
1: it starts off making you feel like it's going to be this dystopian VR world where, you know, it's all about the, the likes and this, that, and the other, you know, and then there's the mystery of the, uh, zero phantom zero, who's causing everything to like glitch out. And then you get her going on and she goes off the grid. And now there's like a story about like the detective agency of the people who are off the grid and they do that for a little while. And you get this cute little found family type moment where you get to know all of those characters. And then we slip into the final arc of the series where it's now taking a Truman show esque turn. And I'm like, okay, like I'm very much interested because like, I, I, I want to say this last arc literally feels like Wall E meets the Truman show, kind of like, that's the only way i can describe it it is a weird show that is strikingly beautiful visually like it's it's very much like of summer wars it's another feels like trigger but isn't trigger anime you know for just Mm. the visuals alone um if anything watch it for the it's another vibe type show too um it is it is an upbeat happy cyber vibe so it's not gonna it's it's think of it as the exact opposite of what cyberpunk's gonna be.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I think that's enough of that. We took a little longer than usual for our recap because we had an off week and because things are starting to really ramp toward the end of the season. But yeah. let's get and, on to well, our main topic, and that is actually one that you brought to me, Jason. and that is anime yeah. dynamic duos. So obviously we have multiple characters in any given show i can't think of a show where it's literally been a singular character we aren't just talking about the main character and their you know best friend secondary lead we're talking about actual duo shows so i think a good example of something that is currently airing that from shadow's house you have Emilico and kate who are absolutely the co-leads that they are they a dynamic duo but this wouldn't extend to taking Yu-Gi-Oh uh Yugi and Joey are not gonna count I would think for the dynamic duo because Yugi's the main character and Joey is first s- secondary. Would you agree on that, Jace? Yeah.
1: yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like uh a good chunk of shonen series follow that an- ensemble cast rule of you have the primary uh you know, the main character and then you have the secondary character, you know, who's I I feel like a uh, a dynamic duo is where they hold almost equal footing as main character versus primary character and secondary like behind the character
0: to take an example here would you count bakugo and deku from my hero as a dynamic duo by this definition or not my inclination is not
1: you know it's an ensemble series show it is very close for them because they share a lot of the traits in common with what you would see in a dynamic duo of say something along the lines of and this is a controversial thought in my mind but because of how closely related they are in every storyline of the series after the very beginning of it Goku and Vegeta you have Mm. that somewhat antagonistic but still working together type thing where both Vegeta and Bakugo are those, I swear I'm going to get stronger than you. You know, you haven't seen the last of me. Work together for the greater good, but I'm still going to beat you one day. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I would actually argue that that is a form of dynamic duo within an ensemble cast, since Dragon Ball Z really just mainly focuses on Goku 90% of the time, and then everybody else with him in whatever fighting team situation he's in so it's it's just like same with bakugo and deku where it's just like most of the focus is on deku like 90 percent of the time and then bakugo just happens to be there to say add some spice to the situation and give you a little bit more emotional impact on deku you know Mm -hmm. so he's more of he's more of a developmental sidekick than an actual dynamic duo because I feel like a dynamic duo has to work together. Um, And that would be where, say, a buddy cop type dynamic comes into play. buddy
0: cop, you say?
1: Buddy buddy cop or, you know, the odd couple, either or, you know, uh, that kind of pairing. Like uh, a personal favorite of mine that I've cosplayed and Mario's cosplayed from, Tiger and Bunny, where you've got literally the title (laughs) Tiger and Bunny, so Kotetsu and Barnaby, who are exact opposites personality-wise, to have different goals for being heroes, but forced to be on a team together, and thus they are a dynamic duo. And I feel like that's also because it's playing off of the American superhero trope as well, where you have the hero and sidekick, and the joke of, ha you're a sidekick, what do you mean I'm sidekick, type of thing as well. So, And I'd say that is a strong example of a dynamic duo in anime especially Buddy
0: mm. Top. Yeah, and when you have these types of characters, they're usually going to be quite different. That an important thing in just storytelling, this is not specific to anime in the least, that if you were going to have two characters that are playing off of each other, they need to complete each other. They need to each have their own deficiencies, their own quirks, literally in the sense of quirky behavior or perhaps quirks, if this was my hero. But they can't just be twins. Or in this, rather... They can't be the same character and have everything in common and never have disagreements, exact same style, exact same taste. The whole impetus of having more than one character is that you have different perspectives, different interests, different styles, different tastes. And that is going to be even more magnified when you have a duo that is going to be front and center in your show as co-leads and that their different personalities and goals are usually going to help color the actual show itself in terms of just what's the conflict, where do you have tension, where do you have comedy, that sometimes you'll have two, sort of like you said, an odd couple situation where they are very much united in their goal, but the way that they operate is just a little bit different and sometimes you get friction there. Other times you have folks who are... Uh, Going to have different methodologies for the same goal. Sometimes you'll have people yeah. who have diverging goals, but that they work together, like you said, for the greater good on certain things. um When it comes to Barnaby and Kotetsu, that they're obviously the example of they have a shared goal and different outlooks. I'd say that uh, yeah. they don't even necessarily have a a ton that is different in terms of their. Their operation that they're both heroes this is not a yeah. case of an anti-hero and uh, a normal hero but a lot of their differences come when it is outside of battle that how they carry themselves as people more so than as uh combat based heroes
1: yeah and uh, i mean another example of that would be uh saitama and genos is another I kind of great feel
0: like saitama is the definitive number one in genos is very much a secondary there actually
1: they follow though the American dynamic duo of Genos is supposed to be the sidekick.
0: To I, yes, the, Genos is very too. obviously the sidekick. But I, I guess I feel like in Tiger and Bunny, even though they have Bunny even is the sidekick, uh, they have
1: equal uh, they have equal uh, billing versus yeah, Saitama and show. Genos. Yes. I feel like Saitama and Genos fit more of the Bokeh and Tsukomi, the two man comedy act of a dynamic duo where typically saitama is the oblivious one and genos is the one that knows everything's going on and looks to saitama and just goes mentor <laughs> it's like i i'm your mentor okay whatever like it's it's more of a dynamic duo played for comedy's sake in that like you know there's there is that sometimes dynamic duo of just one person is the uh master you know, or, or giving the orders or, you know, that type of thing that plays into the character development. Um, uh, Marissa had brought up when I, when I was asking her, like, if she had some ideas, she had mentioned um, Sakura and Karo, actually in uh card Captor Sakura. And I, I had to stop and think about that for a second and go, they technically do because they work together and they're constantly bantering throughout the battles while she does all of the fighting Granted, she also fights alongside Shaoran, and there's that banter back and forth too. Karo's with her throughout the whole series. Shaoran's kind of in and out, at least through the beginning, you know, and then they're more so towards the end of it, at least as far as my memory serves, because it's been. Years I've never since.
0: seen any of Card Capture Sakura, so I'm going to have yeah. to just smile and nod and take your word for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it's. She watched the whole thing recently. So, I mean, I'm going on her word for that. Unfortunately, she was unavailable today. So, it's, I, I was just like, mm. well, why, then why let's would... focus on ones that we can actually <laughs>
0: speak to. And I'm just going to bring on the pain here because a dynamic duo doesn't need to last the entire show. We mm. can always look to good old Kamina and Simone because that is a dynamic duo if there ever was mm. one. And obviously, you have here the. The mentor, but more so the big brother little brother relationship going on here, yeah. and that uh, the two of them very much obviously working together, but having such different personalities, especially in the beginning, where Simone is this very shy, timid guy who is just open enough to allow himself to be dragged along by Kamina, and that Kamina very much rubs off on Simone and is able to bring him out of his shell, and that they spend you know at at this point spoiler warning if you haven't seen gurn lagon i think we're way past statute of limitations on it so i'm just <laughs> going to say it openly part of the dynamic duo here is the breaking of it of you have the two of them working together and then you have this narrative shift where when kamina dies that Simone has to literally and figuratively take up the mantle and continue on without him and it, it is the impetus for his growth as a character that he no longer has his other half here that he no longer has this person to really drag him and force him into this growth that he realizes that crutch of what he had effectively become is no longer there and obviously that spurs on uh, Simone's growth for the remainder of the series but they spend those first eight episodes of girl in the Gone really just hammering home that dynamic duo. There are some other characters that come and go for those eight episodes, but for that time, it is all about Kamina and Simon. If you were to ask, really, who's the protagonist between the two during those eight episodes, more than a small amount might just say, yeah, Kamina's the protagonist here.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I thought, because I, and I actually, I never finished it because life getting in the way oh my god dude you know i mean you know me i've got a backlog like freaking 10 miles long
0: into your uh date range this one is early 2000s Mm,
1: late 2000s late 2000s
0: Uh, 2000s, it's like maybe 2009
1: yeah see i mean like by 2009 there were other things that i was watching at the time um finish Gurren Lagann
0: tell me you at least got to episode remember eight. so I did tell me and, you at least remember, got to
1: episode eight. remember back then you had to buy things on DVD there wasn't that much streaming options back then that many streaming options so at the time because anime was like 30 bucks a freaking DVD you had to kind of pick and choose your battles and Gurren Lagan was not on my list of battles there were other people I knew who were watching it and I would learn bits and pieces at conventions and stuff like that. I'd see little bits at conventions when I could go to like a video panel, but I mean, it wasn't something that I got a chance to watch all the way through. So, I mean, uh, of of that time period, so uh, of of my zone, dynamic duo, Mugen and Jin in Samurai Champloo.
0: Yeah, very much that a, dynamic duo right there. Absolutely, very much
1: dynamic duo. I mean, you have. The odd couple dynamic duo who just works so well together with the traditional swordsman and then the crazy freaking like uh breakdancing sword fighting that uh Mugen does.
0: Yeah, and unlike Kamina and Simon and unlike um well, I suppose perhaps more like uh Kotetsu and Barnaby you have these two very opposing personalities that are brought together by circumstance and something of obligation that they do not at the start want to be a dynamic duo, but they are very much coerced into it and that they just have to live with it and figure out each other, slowly growing into what becomes a a dynamic duo. And that's a very central point of the series of the two of them finding themselves while understanding each other
1: yeah and uh i mean by far it is definitely i'd have to say just because shinichiro watanabe the same genius behind cowboy bebop it is a must watch that kind of falls by the wayside strangely enough i'm gonna be
0: Uh, i'm gonna be honest i think samurai champloo is very good i think that it is I say a product of its time, not in the Mm. usual sense of, oh, like there's a problematic thing that didn't age well. That I think it actually aged fairly uh, unremarkably. But I think it is a product of its time in that it is a largely episodic show with a tenuous underlying plot that really only comes into play in a couple of episodes similar to Cowboy Bebop where there's five to six episodes of real plot and otherwise it's just, you know – What's the enemy of the week? What's the conflict of the week? And I think that writing an anime over the years, and especially in the past decade, has really started to become more deep and linear in the sense that you aren't spending as many episodes with just these one-off enemies, these one-off stories, vignettes, gimmicks, and that you're actually really spending the dedicated majority of your runtime on your plot developing the world developing Mm. the characters and that you might take an episode or two off to do a vignette or something in a different locale but that's something uh, of you know you have your your beach episode or your onsen episode but that most of the time it's going to be much uh, much more in-depth and focused storytelling whereas for me, at least, as a viewer, yeah. that when you have these episodic shows, it's almost impossible for them to ever really stand up to something like Code Geass or Death Note or even really My Hero Academia, where there was your My hero is not in a single episode thing. Yeah, here, here's your Code Geass reference, <laughs> um, and that they're always pushing their plot forward, whereas these older ones, and to be fair, Cowboy Bebop's included in this uh oh yeah yeah. that they spin their wheels a lot and bebop is a historical one because of how mainstream it got and to be fair samurai shampoo got pretty mainstream not as much though and that for me i think it's good i think it's very good even but Mm. i almost i know that it's fallen by the wayside and i think that's okay
1: so i mean i feel like it's just kind of uh a victim of say what original anime was like back when animation cost more and they were shooting more for those 26 episode seasons versus shorter 13 and under seasons um i it is a product of its time i feel like it's a must watch for its style you know at least to I, I feel like appreciate. you could watch
0: it or bebop and i'm just going to point people to bebop
1: You know, it all depends on the vibe that you're feeling at the time. I mean, if you want something similar to Champlu but shorter and uh, grittier, go with Afro Samurai, where the dynamic duo is, of course, Afro and Ninja Ninja. You can't go wrong with that dub. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson. Come on.
0: That's (laughs) one I will admit I have not seen. I do know it's Samuel L. Jackson, but also I don't know. Can that really be considered a dynamic duo when it's just Afro in the title?
1: I mean, does Full Metal Alchemist have Ed and Al in the title? Or Dragon Ball Z? Well, no, but mentioned... you know, the
0: difference there is that you have one of the characters in the title and not both. Okay. That it's, it's not that you need to have your dynamic duo in the title. But when your title is one, but not mm. both, like Tiger and Bunny, that's when I side eye and say, I don't know if that uh, hits our threshold as we have defined it here today.
1: Okay, well, uh, then for argument's sake, this could be implied as both a single person or a number of different, you know, it could be two people in this case, uh, or a group of people, Futo P.I., which is currently airing right now, uh, of course, based off of Common Rider Double, so the name Double implies two, The Oretachi wa Futari no Tante, uh, the two of us are one detective. So uh, it very much is a buddy comedy under the title of Common Rider Double, where there's only one writer two people in one person. So I feel like that one's this weird thing because futo tante, you know, futo P.I., private investigator could be one person. could be a group of people if you're just saying p i, like as I p. usually
0: a... associate that with a Holmes Watson thing. and, To be fair, Holmes and Watson, I would count as a dynamic duo that Mm. that is, you know, you're making me eat my words here that a lot of those shows are going to be called Sherlock something or other. And that even if your Sherlock character is your undoubted protagonist that you have, that the two of them in most iterations of those stories would be a dynamic duo. And I would count that Um, as a case of a uh, antagonistic dynamic duo you have you know once again from the mystery genre so to speak Ellen Light from Death Note and uh, dang yeah. it you still haven't seen Death Note so I can't talk about this too much in terms of I being mean... able to get actual feedback from you but basically if you know you know that Ellen Light is going to be the quintessential example of your antagonistic dynamic duo where the two of them are fundamentally at odds with each other that their whole existence is to take the other down and that through circumstance they end up together and that you have this momentary buddy relationship but at the same time simmering yeah. beneath the surface both knows that it's not genuine and that's what makes it so interesting and i think the fact that their dynamic duo interaction was so dang strong that that mm-hmm. is why a lot of people point to the second half of death note and say oh things decline after legal. L is removed yeah. from the picture because... I know the overall Nier, story arc. Well, yeah, the, again, I, at this point, I, statute of limitations, Death has yeah. been out for a long time, that uh, Nier was never meant to be another L. In fact, a yeah. whole plot point that is made is the fact that, no, Nier is not L. Nier is a shadow of L in a sense, but is mm-hmm. his own person. And... Yeah. Uh, I do find it kind of funny that a lot of a lot of people don't fully understand that when it's actually presented. I think pretty explicitly. But I will un- I will say that L was so perfect that he is one of the oh, yeah. most iconic characters in anime to this day. I would argue. Show a silhouette, non shonen, like non shonen like protagonists. He is so famous. Everything from his remarkably simple look to his odd eating habits and uh, his very name. I eat it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, no. That's what Light does.
1: Oh well, I mean, even even then, like it's still an iconic moment from that.
0: <laughs> yes, but uh, but that's Light's sign But
1: anyways, that yeah.
0: uh L and Light are absolutely one of the, I would argue, most iconic anime and manga as well, because manga original dynamic duos and that they are so well positioned as the type of antagonistic dynamic duo mm. that frankly is not very common that usually you have the protagonist and the antagonist and the antagonist is going to take a a a, a much more secondary position and to be fair yeah. L's screen time is not as much as Light's not by a long shot but the fact that they're even if he's not on screen L as a character is constantly in Light's thoughts that hey, hey he shipping, no, but uh-huh. the fact of Light's entire goal that he, his change the world goal almost becomes secondary because uh, he can't change the world unless he gets rid of L, and that for him, his entire being, his entire existence becomes find out L's name, and that you don't usually get a protagonist-antagonist relationship that is quite like this where they are so diametrically opposed and that the protagonist quote-unquote i use this very lightly with uh light that it becomes a so ingrained in every action every plot twist so and i think that's part of why death note has stood the test of time because it has one just very good storytelling but also the fact that at its core that for the majority of the series it has such an incredible dynamic duo
1: okay so in the idea of like a competitive antagonistic dynamic duo could it be argued granted i only know the premise i have yet to actually get into and watch the series um now that the third season is over and done with maybe that can be on the binge list the way that i caught up with my hero kaguya sama would you say that there's a duo going on there with that kind of antagonistic i will make you submit it's
0: first the entire point of the show yes that kaguya and um wow why did i just uh blank on his name how the how the heck did i blank his name
1: i've had a day folks <laughs> Uh, it, ha- it happens to the best of us i blank out on names a lot i mean there's a lot of anime a lot of anime a lot of uh it's, it's, uh,
0: an, it's <laughs> miyuki shirogana good lord like i was like it's okay. an m name but i can not remember anyways but um yes that kaguya and miyuki are a dynamic duo absolutely that's the entire part thing of the show of the their their war is mm. the the core of the show and that neither of them is that the two of them are the protagonists that yeah it, once again i'm being forced to eat my words so completely scrap everything i said earlier about it, uh one character's name being in the title because this is a second time where i've realized oh wait that doesn't hold true that kaguya's name is the only one in the title but miyuki is absolutely as much of the protagonist as kaguya is and uh that their mind games their struggle to get the other to admit that they have feelings for the other is the entire reason that the the story exists it's what compels everything and it's yeah and by the way jace yes you absolutely must watch kage sama that it was it was my favorite anime of the year it came out it was number four on our list the year that it came out and mm. it, I would say it's only gone up in my evaluation since its first season
1: yeah, no, it's uh now now that I've figured out the trick to uh binging which I don't often do is watch the dub. You know, now now it's like, oh, I could probably get through that backlog a little bit faster if I get a little bit more spare time on my hands here and there. Uh <laughs> um so I'm just going to uh shoot off a couple real quick. Um because I know that a few actually you probably haven't seen any of these. Uh so I'm just going to shoot them up very quickly. Licensed by Royalty. Uh, very I much. never
0: even heard of this
1: one. What uh, it was put out by uh, Pioneer slash on back in the early mid 2000s. So uh, it uh, is very much a take on the James Bond style, uh, secret agent type thing. In fact, uh, if I'm not mistaken, one of the character designers from that anime went on to work on Tiger and Bunny, and I think Birdie Wing as well. Uh, I'm not. Entirely certain. But uh in fact, it's funny because Lloyd Forger looks very much like one of the characters from Licensed by Royalty, but it is straight up Buddy Cop, two spies working together in uh pseudo England. So it is it is a nice little odd little thing um of note. There's that one, um, and uh of course Gunsmith Cats also within that buddy cop setting. So uh, another Now I'd say gunsmith cats is classic from the nineties. In fact, it's an odd situation where it's an anime never heard of it. (laughs) It's an OVA. um, And uh, it was uh, it's, it's a great little one-off set in America of all things too, on top of it all. And they went out of their way to really portray it. They got actual like recordings of the exact vehicle that they drive in the show and everything. Uh, Gunsmith cats, you got your duo you got the young uh outrageous girl who likes to blow stuff up and you have the responsible older one so it's, it's a detective show um so gunsmith cats and then last one that i'm going to shoot up real quick king of bandit jing uh in which again uh, i like where are you getting these <laughs> usually at least i've heard of a show they they these are all sitting on my shelf in front of me in fact i have the entire run of the king of bandit jing manga as well um And you got your solo protagonist in the title, Jing. However, he goes through the entire series with his partner, Kier, uh, a talking bird that also is his weapon, uh, as he latches onto his arm and blasts a giant laser out of his mouth. It is quite out there. Um, It's even got this fun James Bond ish type thing uh, they refer to because there's a different girl in every episode, as each episode is its own little standalone arc. Uh, they are referred to as Jing Girls. Um, also, the fun thing in anime where names follow a motif, everything in the anime uh, and manga is named after an alcoholic beverage or mixed beverage. Uh, Jing coming from Jin and Kier coming from actually the attack. Kier Royale is the name of a drink, Kier Royale. So, But yeah, right there, boom. Buddy, 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 all kind of a buddy cop, that back and forth dynamic um, <laughs> and uh, I mean, there you go. Like I, I, I don't think any of them are on streaming services either. So I can't say go out and watch them. Uh, if memory serves correctly, I don't think any of them are currently on a streaming service. I might I have to check and look surprised. that up. Uh, as for one that
0: is, and that I, I'm hoping you've seen this one because this also sort of, it, it is one that is a classic. Did you ever see Soul Leader, Jace? Please tell me you did.
1: I've seen bits and pieces. It's such, Aww. you know, it's another one of those. It's a long-running shonen, and I really have a it hard 50 time. Fifty episodes. That's a lot of episodes. The last, like the only fifty-episode series I own is Sayuki, and that's because I followed the DVDs as they came out. So, like, I really have not watched a lot of fifty-episode shows. I own all of Kiba on DVD. And that's forty-eight episodes. I still haven't even gotten to the second volume, which is the other twenty-four episodes of the series. That just goes to show you how short my attention span is, unfortunately, when it comes to long-running shows. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, I, bottom, I know. Of bottom line is, from it,
0: Soul and Maka are quintessential dynamic duo, and once yeah. again, one that breaks the rule of both don't need to be in the title because Soul like. If you had to point to one and say who is the protagonist of Soul Leader, it would be Maka and not Soul. But I would argue very much that they are uh, the dynamic duo. And definitely, uh,
1: that's definitely a dynamic duo. I do know what you're talking about because I have watched like the early on episodes of it, and I I see you, Neo
0: Ivan, in our note passing chat. Excalibur is not the protagonist. (laughs) From his legend began in the twelfth century. Don't you call me a fool, fool.
1: California.
0: (laughs) From the (laughs) United States. I'm looking for him. I'm going to California. (laughs) Goodbye, Jojo. (laughs) I am still praying for the day that we get our Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood Fruits Basket reboot of Soul Eater. It was done by Studio Bones. It was the same Please. studio that did uh, Full Metal Alchemist. Please give us a, a proper retelling reboot of Soul Eater. Oh my gosh, I need it in my life. Please. Please.
1: You know, I mean, with, with that case, I probably would. Uh, I'd probably get around to watching that a little bit more sooner if there was a, like a, a redone, kind of like... A, Again, something that I never finished, and I don't know how to watch it because of how confusing it is. Uh, Hunter, Hunter.
0: Oh, Hunter, Hunter's a mess. I haven't seen Hunter, Hunter much, and I know it's a mess.
1: I I want to watch it because I know it's Yoshihiro Togashi who did Yu Yu Hakusho, and I love Yu Yu Hakusho. And uh, I'd, I'd argue that that is very much both a buddy comedy like a double buddy comedy ensemble because <laughs> you have two duos who play off of themselves and then play off of themselves as a group. But I digress. The Hunter Hunter does have very much two main characters who have that buddy cop dynamic as well and happen to be from Shonen Jump. So uh, yeah, that one, that one also makes the list of uh, buddy cops. A lot of that in Shonen. Um, and I think it's just because The idea of showing character growth is so easy when you have two characters at opposing ends of like the ideals or strategies, techniques. I mean, while they don't work together and they're very much kind of rivals throughout the whole series, you might want you might infer that say Sasuke and Naruto could be considered a dynamic duo of sorts. Yeah, I I qualify that very
0: similar. To Bakugo Deku,
1: yeah. Um, okay, uh, better, better situation actually. Um, oh god, it was on the tip of my tongue just a second ago. It was another Shonen Jump type matchup, and I can it, and it just escaped me. I'm like, oh crud! <laughs> See, we, we've each had these moments
0: today, folks. There's a lot of anime out there, and sometimes you just blank that you. It's like you know, you bring up a file, file failed to load correctly
1: yeah yeah um, so buffering, oh nope, uh disc is scratched, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so that
0: we're about a time anyway, so we'll end it here that this is one of those episodes where we're really just scratching the surface of a lot of different ones, sort of pointing out something that you know a dynamic duos and that exact definition that we sort of debated over ultimately is very arbitrary, but it's fun to recognize when the writing leans more into two two character relationships as their primary crux as opposed to one because, to be fair, I would say 70 to 80% of shows focus on your singular protagonist first and foremost, and that's really it. And, uh, you know, there are even exceptions here. That, To be fair, you don't know much about L in the L-Light dynamic duo one, but it, that's sort of a, a weird one. But, you know, in general, it's usually you have your protagonist doing their thing. And then a bunch of secondary characters. So simply having one that is co-leads is already going to be a bit of a rarity. And just seeing the different types of approaches that you have. You know, are they going to be amicable? Are they going to be butting heads? What type of relationship do they have? Is it going to be something that's professional? Is there going to be an aspect of romance? Uh, That there's just a lot of different things that shows have done And it's always fun to do a bit of a deep dive here, even if you're only going to scratch the surface of each individual show to recognize all the different things that have already been done and uh, wonder where different pieces of writing might go next. So as always, thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode 123 of DKI Digital Era Entertainment's weekly anime podcast. You can check out our sponsor Image ImageAnime at ImageAnime.com and use the code DISCOUNTSHIP, that is D-E-E-S-C-O-U-N-T-S-H-I-P for free shipping on orders of $100 or more. And you can get Digital Era Entertainment merchandise at merch.streamelements.com slash Digital Era Entertainment. I will be back this sunday 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 for the next installment of whole life championship wrestling with taylor and mario we are going to be starting a brand new arc after finally concluding our whopping six pay-per-view usada arc and oh boy we have some very very exciting things planned so If you enjoy wrestling, if you enjoy VTubers or if you just enjoy good storytelling, we very much made this series accessible to anyone who tunes in. So even if you don't know any of the talents from Hololive, we'll explain as we go. Make sure that you understand if you don't know wrestling, as I very much don't. Mario and Taylor help uh, pick up the slack for me there that you'll have me asking questions a lot of the time saying, "Okay, hey, explain this move or explain this reference. And uh, as we go. We end up creating these amazing stories, and we hope you'll join us for that. That is Whole Life Championship Wrestling Insurrection. It will be this Sunday, the 11th, and that's going to be beginning, I believe, either at— uh, I think we're actually going to be starting a bit later than usual, so time to be determined. But in order to stay uh, up to date with that, you can join our Discord, or you can follow us here on uh, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And, of course, on YouTube, you can see the trailer for Kokorono Pro, our upcoming wrestling uh, dating sim. So, you know, hey, even more wrestling. But that's going to do it for us here. So thank you all so much for tuning in. Stay safe, stay sane, and we will see you next time on Digital Era Twitch.
1: Excalibur.